On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition podcast, I'm talking with Brian Fretwell. He's the founder of Finding the Fires, the the world's first emotional intelligence gym where you're going to work out your brain. And people believe that you can't necessarily finish a marathon and read about marathon running without actually practicing and doing it. So just like that, you're going to, you know, work out in a gym to build up the endurance and build your muscle to do it. So just like that, it's the emotional intelligence gym to build your brain muscle memory. Anyway, they believe that you can't finish the marathon by reading about a marathon. So improving your ability to listen, ask questions and manage emotions in ourselves and others takes practice. Brian has spent the last 20 years teaching, coaching, and speaking on leadership, culture change, and personal development. He has run emotional intelligence workshop workshops in mining camps, in the outback of Australia, and the Arctic Circle in northern Canada. He's taught leadership on oil drilling pads and at the Gettysburg Battlefield, and he's just delivered keynotes from Istanbul, Turkey, to inside his home office, exactly 35 steps away from the kitchen. (laughs) He's also the author of Experts of Our Potential, a book focused on changing how we view our own view. And his TED Talk is what a 15-year-old meth addict taught me about leadership. He has seen over 2.3 million people around the world. And you can find him on social media sharing analogies and inspiration, or you can even sign up for a free emotional intelligence workshop on his Finding the Fires website. He lives in Boise, Idaho with his wife, Jamie, who happens to also be a transpersonal counselor. They spend their time taking walks and doing behavioral experiments on their dog, Hank. But before we get to the podcast with Brian and what he's going to share with us, and he even tests me out on some of this uh, emotional intelligence, uh, (laughs) working my muscles, right? My brain muscles. But uh, before we get there, I need to tell you about a new tool that is kind of something cool. It's kind of taken over um, the world by storm, really. It's called Misfit Market. And basically, uh, I can invite you as a friend to get a discount on organic produce, pantry staples, and much more at Misfit Markets. And really, it's it's the type of produce that doesn't land in the grocery stores. It's kind of like the the stuff that doesn't look perfect, but still very viable and <laughs> edible and sustainable. Uh, and so you can get it at a discount. And so if you sign up under my link, you can go to peppershock.com slash offers to get the Misfits Market box sent to you. And they also have some other goodies that you can get on the site too that are um, not as spendy as what you would spend in a grocery store. So you can, uh, you know, everyone that signs up will get $10 off their first order. uh, And then successful signs up signups will then if you have other people sign up for you, then you'll earn credit towards an equivalent of $10 off your order. Uh, It's really just a pretty cool place to to get um, misfit (laughs) produce, really. Uh, Get your friends, your families, your neighbors, your coworkers, anyone that you like, really. (laughs) Started with $10 off. um, And then you'll get uh, $10 off your future subscription box uh, for everyone that you sign up as well. So uh, go to peppershock.com slash offers and go sign up under my link for the Misfits Market. Welcome to Peppershock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the founder and co-founder of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And today I have a special guest. His name is Brian Fretwell. He's an author, author, all kinds of fun keynotes and things that he gets to do, travel the world when we're not during pandemic. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. good to see you. And and tell us right now, let's just talk it off. What is it that you're working on right now? What's the project that you have that you have been working on during this pandemic? Yeah, so um, it's almost a long story, but like um, when the pandemic happened, I was traveling 40 plus weeks a year doing wow. teaching leadership development, emotional intelligence, but from a um, neuroscience perspective. So working with companies like neuroleadership and those and overnight 
the whole schedule went dark. I mean, a lot of stuff went to, um, uh, you know, went to online or whatever. But, um, but when that happened, I realized that like, and I had actually just read Vivek Murthy's book, uh, Together. And, and Vivek Murthy is like the current, he's now the current uh, Surgeon General, but he was, he had written this book like a year ago and it talked about, or a year before the pandemic even started. And it talked about loneliness being the actual biggest ep epidemic in the country. And this was pre-pandemic. And he talked about how loneliness feeds into uh, higher rates of obesity, higher rates of heart disease, higher rates of dementia and Alzheimer's. And it's the probably most endemic, um, um, if you will, health issue we have as a country. Loneliness, wow. Yeah, and the, tr the interesting thing about loneliness is like, if 10 people have it, only two people will actually say they have it. Oh. And loneliness is, loneliness is different than isolation. Like you okay. can be by yourself and not lonely, but you can be around 100 people and be completely by yourself. And it's that like, as humans, we are, and this is a lot of the stuff I've taught in, in neuroscience for years, is we are designed as social creatures, our brain, yes for so many levels. So when the pandemic started, I, I started offering people a free Zoom call to do what I had been doing since the uh, recession in 2008 when I lost my business. And that was bring together a group of friends over coffee. And we have one hour where the only thing we can talk about is what went well the prior week. Nice. And what we did to make that go well. So it wasn't like, it's not like, a oh, I got a cake this week. It right. was... I spent more time with my family. I got more sleep, so I was less of a jerk. Those right. sorts of things, like actually acknowledging that. And we started doing it because I knew the science behind it, but my friends just started doing it because it helped us stay clear and focused on what we wanted to do. Anyway, right. back to the back to the pandemic, yeah. I, we started a Zoom call. And long story short, over 10 months, we started playing with different questions. Uh -huh. uh, the science behind questions itself is a whole um, kind of category of how we connect as uh -huh. human beings, how we validate each other, how we reinforce each other, that the question is actually much more powerful than telling somebody they did something well, um, which I talked about in the, the TED talk uh, yeah. a bit. But, um, but over 10 months, we did an experiment. I decided I wasn't going to go back to work per se. Well, uh, at least through, what you knew work to be prior yeah, to that. Yeah, well, I had a couple opportunities to, you know, do some virtual learning and teaching and, and the stuff. And, and I was, we just got, there was about 140 people that did the experiment over the course of 10 months. Um, some on the phone, mostly on Zoom. I think we probably, I mean, it's, everybody's been spending a lot of time on right, Zoom. But yeah. we we played with five people, three people, but this whole environment of, how do we actually use the people around us to create clarity, uh -huh. right? To create, uh, to reinforce the things we've done. Um, and it went from what went well to now we have this kaleidoscope of questions that are all designed to look at one of five things, self-awareness, your influence, your resilience, your, your ethics or your strengths. And the conversations are about helping each other clarify that. And the challenge is, you go in the conversation and for 10 minutes, you can only ask questions. Oh, wow. You cannot give your advice, your opinions or your feedback. And what we're doing is changing the wiring in the brain to help people actually experience when somebody, because it's so much more powerful in an individual's brain when they say, I did this well, than if you told them, even if you told them 10 times, that's about the ratio it would take to get the same neurochemical response of somebody saying it out loud to more than one person. So wait, what, did, what would you say instead of you did this well, what would you do? Yeah, I'm, I always use this example because every one of us had this experience growing up. When your kid does something wrong, what do you do? No, no. Well, you say, <laughs> no, you say no. So there's a bit of like, you, you you know they did something wrong and parents intuitively say hey tell me what you did yeah and we right. get them to say it because we understand when you say it you own it right yeah the same is happening when somebody's doing something well though 
It, okay. But it's actually a little more comf- uncomfortable to ask them about what they've done well than it is to ask somebody about what, what they, they screwed wrong. up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of we, brain we, we do that too. Like you can say you're sorry, but mean it. Why are you sorry? Tell me why. Yeah. 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 And we know that that ownership piece is there. And right. so the same thing is happening with reinforcement. And what we find is that there's so we have a lot of CEOs on the call. We have mm-hmm. a lot of independent entrepreneurs is because and I, I would yeah. I would uh, and I'll probably challenge you to do it here in a, here in a little bit but um, but I would imagine as the CEO of the company uh-huh. getting validation for what you do is actually something a we we play down but B we like I get so many people on the calls that it's that say I can't tell you when the last time somebody spent 10 minutes just to ask me about what was going on with me in right. an affirmative way was right because those those interactions it's always are, the ceo's job to help other people out and you feel like you're serving others rather than yeah. expecting others to, to do that for you yeah, yeah i could see that <laughs> and and it creates this like counter cyclical uh approach because i don't get time to talk then i go into that that telling mode you need to do this you need to do that and and or reinforcing which is just good job and we get out of the practice of being inquiry based of asking the hey what did you do well this week or or hey how could we approach that different and we start telling because we're trying to take a shortcut to value Uh oh if i give you if i tell you something then i'll help you out but that's actually like that's giving the fish instead of giving the fishing pole right right i i say that too if you feed a man uh if you feed a man a fish He'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the same thing applies when you say, when you're talking about reward and recognition. Because if I tell you you did a good job, well, like that's, I've kind of taken from you your ability to say, here's something I'm proud of. Here's something I thought was important. And as a leader, yeah. there's so much information in that. Right. Because, and we do it in my company every day, actually. We start the morning with what went well. And for my employees, being able to hear what they think uh-huh. is the most important thing for them personally and for the company tells me where I'm on or off track in communicating. Yeah. And and but but again, we try to shortcut it and we say, well, you're doing this. You're doing this well, like you're doing a good job here. And we might have missed the thing that was actually really important to them. Right. right? Yeah. So so it creates a, a, a bubble. And mm-hmm. and to go back to the question you initially asked, we started a business a month ago, I guess a month and a half ago. Now we started a membership program because we look at building what is essentially emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um, the same way you would build a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. That like y- we can know about it intellectually, but unless we're on the practice of, of getting and receiving clarity of mm-hmm. different kinds uh, and in the practice of asking questions and, and quite frankly, I think I created a, a whole program that's about learning how to shut up, right? Which is for me... <laughs> As somebody that gets paid to talk for a living, like right. super good practice for me as well. But um, but the the impact it's having on people it yeah. has far exceeded anything we even we even dream possible. So so we're just kind of getting off the ground, but we're yeah. pretty excited, really. And I got to sit in and listen to one of your calls just explain, you know, the finding the fires program mm-hmm. that's what you're calling it right yeah. yep. so tell me why are you calling it finding the fires yeah so the the fires fires is an acronym okay. right and that identifies those five things we're looking for feelings which is self-awareness uh the f is for feelings the i is for influence which is internal locus of control the r is for resilience which is like growth mindset the ethics is like purpose and values and the s is strength for like skill strengths natural abilities so every conversation a person has is clarifying one of one or more of those five things and learning to help somebody else clarify that and it's in that interaction that when we call finding the fire, that the person has the emotional response that we know that's, uh, we know from how the brain is processing in the striatums and in the uh, medial prefrontal cortex, that's where the majority of actual behavior change happens. 
not from intellectual understanding. And this comes from somebody that's done trainings for 20 plus years. Intellectual understanding is important, but it does not lead to behavior change. It's the insights and the the emotional response we have in a uh, over time that leads to that. And so we can curate that and do that on purpose. It's almost as if a CEO has to flip their switch in always putting out fires, but in this case, we're igniting them and finding them and making them happen, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That idea of, and and that's like the origin story, if you will, of that is there's a there's research out there that um, from three or four researchers that say hunters and gatherers in terms of per week productive hours, meaning either chasing animals or, or foraging in the forest. They getting only berries, yeah, getting all the things exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. They only worked 15 hours a week. Huh. What's wow. interesting in that study is that, as they say, and the rest was spent on leisurely activity. And I think that's actually a shortcoming in how we understand that. We look at it as leisurely. We think, well, they weren't watching Netflix and sitting (laughs) in their bark lounges, right? Exactly. (laughs) But what was happening, and I grew up hunting, and so it really made sense to me because the part that made, like my father and I and and whoever else went hunting with us, the part, part that made us really good is sitting around the campfire. What did you see? What did you see? What did you try? Like we weren't berating each other. We weren't telling each other what we did wrong. I mean, we were giving each other a hard time for sure, but we were looking for information from each other and saying, what did you try? And what's happening in the brain is we're validating, Mm -hmm. we're connecting, and all of the things that the brain needs to then go out hunting and be able to operate without having to think about what the other person's thinking about because we're much more attuned. And we're designed for that. The challenge is in our productive lives, we've gotten away from it. And so each project that we work on should be something that's making us more efficient for the next one. But if the only thing we're worried about is the production of that and not really honing the process and the communication and that, again, emotional intelligence that allows that process to happen faster, then we're actually losing strategic advantage over time. And not being able to leverage the ability to utilize the skills that you're learning and moving it forward and it's, learning from right. those things that you did do well. Yeah. <laughs> not the mistakes, but the things that you did well, right? If a person isn't able to acknowledge what they've done well, what they're in, and, what, and when I say that, like their input, their, their ability to push through when something's tough, the ability to step into something uncomfortable, even if the outcome doesn't good or doesn't go well. If they don't recognize that, they can't use it in the future because they haven't they haven't attached the emotional part. And I use that word emotional, but the experience part that the brain needs to do a behavior again. It's like it's Pavlovian. I didn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to give them a treat. And it's actually the opposite It's they give themselves a treat. And what we are is a conduit to pull that treat out. And the treat is very it's very simply oh, I think I did this. Mm-hmm. And we can hear it. You can hear a shift in the voice, a change. We train people to look for that change in tone and voice and inflection to know that you're there. Mm-hmm. Because that is when the kind of neurochemical reaction is happening that we know like, yep, yep, you just reinforce that person 10 times more than you could have had you, had you given them a, a $5 gift card. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. So let's just take uh, go back a little bit. You know, you've you've been doing neuroscience for like you said, twenty years. You've been studying it. You've grown it. Let's just kind of walk me through the path that you've taken to get where you are now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started in juvenile corrections here in Nampa, actually, like uh, the JCC right uh-huh. on the other side. That yeah. that was my first job out of uh, college. Juvenile corrections. I can only imagine. Yeah. Oh, it wow. was. Yeah. It was for me. It was uh, I. I, I'm such a big fan of like people going and doing something like that right out of college with the mentality of, and and like for for whatever reason, I I was there to learn about myself. Like yes, I was learning about the kids, but didn't take too many kids coming in and saying like, hey, what did you do? And me having this realization like, ooh. I was probably three or four choices away from oh, where you are. Like yeah. it, being able to see that potential and, and that, that, that direction was there. And so that, that actually is what got me into behavior change and understanding, um, you know, development. But it also really 
open this question, and I think it's the question we're wrestling with in this company, it's these kids would do so amazing in corrections. Mm -hmm. But then you took them back out into a community that didn't support it, and 70% of them would reoffend. Right? That's not a that's a very common statistic. And, mm-hmm. and I was getting my MBA while I was working there. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've, I've worked I've ran a leadership program in Gettysburg. I've um, worked for a, I had one real job where I was a manager of a security um company so two states i did all job. the yeah. i like how you call it i had That's, a real job yeah well i tell people i'm unemployable so i like to say that yeah. i have worked when i we had a, a hundred or so um security officers in idaho and in utah and my job was to get the accounts and then hire the people and run them so i was doing a little bit of both mm-hmm. but then um for the last 10 years i've been working with a company out of australia and then the neural leadership institute that's out of uh new york that are probably the two um most predominant neuroscience base. And, and with them, I've been doing uh, safe, you know, the neuroscience of safety uh, in like in Australia, in the outback, down in the coal mines or, or leadership, the neuroscience of leadership with a safety bend up in uh, the Arctic Circle at some of the diamond mines that are up there. And I've got to go to some really cool places doing you know, leadership at uh, mm-hmm. some pretty big tech companies down in California and, and some of the um, entertainment and even in West Virginia at the, the, the gas kind of fracking operations and okay. being able to see a real spectrum of what the challenges are in moving to a more emotionally intelligent workforce, which I think there's very few people that don't know that that's what we have to do right. to be able to be resilient, to be able to operate through change and to be able to cons- learn at the rate we have to learn. That ability to interact with each other is going to be the biggest differentiator for, for individuals and companies uh, yeah. in the market. And the same gap I saw in corrections where we'd learn this and then we didn't have a place to apply it. We've done so in training. There's some brilliant training out there but we don't have many environments that support it. And so we say like, yes, support it at work, but that's like supporting it at the event, right? Mm -hmm. And to create a psychologically safe place to actually practice things like asking questions and and reinforcing and and getting clarity on your, like um, what what we're trying to answer in this company is from training to application, where is the actual practice? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like I've run marathons and ultra marathons. Like I can watch a, a video on YouTube about running and then go. But but I can't then go run a marathon. And what mm-hmm. we're doing so much with training is we're saying, OK, here's a different way to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Now go try it on with the boss that you don't get along with or, or the coworker that doesn't care. Well, mm-hmm. there's too much emotional charge. What we create is a space where people can practice that. Nice. And we find because of that space, uh, and, and we're learning better how to curate those spaces in and outside of companies, but the more you can curate that on a weekly basis, it's just like going for your weekly run. Right. What we find is that when people do it, they leave more recharge than uh, than, than they came. Well, yeah. and that's what you're talking about, the muscle memory and working out your muscles in yeah. your brain, right? Which talk, is a, talk a little more about that. Which yeah. is an awesome segue, because how about <laughs> like, because um, I think I, we talk about this like, um, you know, broader, but I think it's important that people experience it. So do, do you mind if I throw you right under the... Sure, go for it. So what we'll do is we'll do a mini workout. So okay. we call them workouts because right. your experienced brain, right? These are, again, not your not your cognitive brain. Now, both of them like repetition, but your experienced brain likes the experience. That's how it learns, right? Uh-huh. So... We'll try a question, right? We'll, okay. we'll, a foundational question, one that I've been talking about most of this call. Right. Um, and w- so we create a container. And okay. what we mean is like how we design the question creates a container for the conversation, which okay. is like what we try to teach leaders all the time. It's not right. just asking a question. The question says, here's where we can play. It's like the bumpers on it's bowling, how you frame right? frame the question. Exactly. The, then the we can stay on a path. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't go off into yeah. complaining about whatever, right? Right. Okay. So in the last week, okay. what is something that went well because of you? Oh, golly. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, I would say uh, we we got to go out on a date night for the first time in a really long time. <laughs> okay. And that part went well. We, you know, had our masks on. We uh, got to have a little wine and go take a stroll around the village. It has this beautiful fountain and we got to see somebody get engaged and it was fun to, to go and just hang out and not be, uh, you know, working or at the house with kids and everything. So that yeah. went that part went well. <laughs> so it sounds like that was a really fun experience, yeah. right? Now, tell me about this word got to, like you got to go out. So were you released from prison that week or like, <laughs> yeah, right. like what, what enabled you to get to? Um, my persuasive messaging and saying, I need to get out of the house. <laughs> ah, right. And so persuasive to who? Uh, my husband. <laughs> ah, fair enough. So you use your power of persuasion. So now we're getting into it a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah. But, but why did you do it? I felt like we needed to have time. You know, the kids were off doing other things, either a camp out or at a, a birthday party with their, with his best friend. So it was just time that we had and, um, you know, so kind of set the stage. We had some errands to run and so I suggested we go somewhere. But of course, we're in a pandemic and we don't necessarily want to go eat in a restaurant. So we had to figure out a place that we could go that made sense that we could eat outside or drink mm -hmm. outside and and still be safely distanced and not, you know, paranoid of getting a, a virus, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you said you had time and this was something important so there's a lot of stuff we can do with our time right? right the kids are gone we can you know just like you know mustard shirts and, and sitting in front of the tv but <laughs> yeah. but in this case you decided to go out you decided to go out in a specific way what does that say about you or or rather if you were describing somebody else that they had this extra time and they chose to do what you had chosen to do what how would you describe them like what what words we they are what kind of person if they chose to go on a date night with their spouse mm -hmm. yeah. um, i would say that's a happy cool thing to do right yeah so that's the happy thing to do but what kind of person does it i would say somebody that is thoughtful and loving and caring and recognizing the need <laughs> uh -huh. how was it so tell me those last three were how was it to say thoughtful and caring in that just now because it's about me so i'm trying to <laughs> yeah notice how uncomfortable that yeah. was right yeah, like totally. and 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 i'm just because we're on a podcast so people can't see i'm writing stuff down and ria's looking at me like you know i'm the psychologist i'm like what are you outlining but what we're doing is we're following the process because just to step back you you did what all of us do mm -hmm. the first question of what what went well even though even when i added because of you as you said, we got to go out. Right. And so we call that, that's externalizing the uh -huh. impact, meaning it didn't happen because of me. Right. I just, I just was a part of it. Uh -huh. And so we took three or four different layers of the question to get down to, this happened because I was thoughtful and I actually care about these things. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so the whole going out, having time and doing this came because you were thoughtful and you had the courage to then go and ask and create this and did the work to create the situation. Right. So that's kind of a modified version. But what we find is like that is it's such a common pattern is that we're not able to describe our inputs. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I got to do this. But what did you do to make that happen is right. actually where the where the real power comes from. And we know we get there. <laughs> because it becomes really uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and not really <laughs> uncomfortable. Over time, people get more comfortable with that. But saying in a group that I did this and it made this happen is one of the more psychologically dangerous things we can say. Right. It's, it's uncomfortable because it can sound like bragging. It can sound like, and so we even think, if you even think about the people that are like, oh, I did this and it happened because of me, we generally don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're not cr trying to create that like uh, arrogance. Yeah. Well, and I really had to sit back and search and think of something that went well, honestly, you know, yeah. like, I'm sure there's lots of things that went well, but I had to just kind of like quickly in the moment like well what did go well i don't even know i can't even remember like 
I can remember what didn't go well. <laughs> and I, that's exactly what I was going to ask you next. Is because, so there is, that's by design. Your brain has 10 times more real estate um, uh, kind of driven to identify threat than reward. Which is fine if you live out in the mountains and you're worried about bears, right? That's right. a very good design. But, in, but when you're in an organization, it can lead to some pretty negative things. Everybody complaining and nobody able to actually seeing where the progress is, right. right? And as a leader curating that, like how important is it that my people understand what, what their impact is, where their impact is actually benefiting not just them, and, but everybody else. And if we see it that way, then I understand as a leader, if I get this other person to really acknowledge it, see it and apply it, then I'm actually the one that benefits, right? It's almost right. a selfish thing. And this is how, if you go back to that, you know, uh, hunters and gatherers sitting around the campfire analogy, the tribes that survived were the ones that, that understood how to make each other work the best mm -hmm. because those are the ones that could go out and hunt the quickest. And, and we have the same thing in, in, in just a different bit. It's hard to identify what I did well. It's even harder to then say it out loud. Mm -hmm. But once I get into that, then I can now more confidently say, hey, hey, Rhea, you know that project we have this mm -hmm. week? I think I can add value over here to it. Right. right. And I have to give credit where credit is due because Drew did, uh, you know, agree to going somewhere and. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, we'll get him on another call. No that's problem. Right, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But, it, but yeah. that, but that piece is like being able to say, yes, somebody else did well, but, but still acknowledging mm -hmm. our, our own part is, is a validating and connecting experience. Right. That we don't have nearly as much as we actually need it to, to overcome that. And if we go back to some of the stuff that, uh, Murthy was talking about in the loneliness, mm -hmm. someone asking you a question, a authentic, just curiosity question. There's very few things you can do that allows you to feel and, and, and answers that part of your brain that's always asking, am I in the pack or, or am I out of the pack? There's very few right. things you can do that are so powerful with such little energy. The challenge is in the moment when we got a bunch of things going on, to be able to use that skill, that muscle needs to be pretty strong mm -hmm. in my brain. And repetition and making sure that you continue to do that in, you know, repertory, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a funny thing. We So many people that have been on the call and we did not plan on this because my background has been in business that are like, um, can I bring my spouse? And then <laughs> yeah. they say, but can they be on a different call? Because we have three or four <laughs> yeah. times. And, we, and that's yeah. like identifying yeah. we need the safety. But then right. they learn like, when your spouse comes to you and is upset or something's wrong, you're not firing right back. Your, yeah. your, your initial like reaction then or response is to ask a question, to find out, to explore what might be going on. And when you give that validation and connection mm -hmm. and reinforcement without having to say any of those, you know, uh, touchy feely words, right? You right. just, Hey, what's going on? What's uh, two or three of those questions can, can kind of take all of the fire out of that situation and then all of a sudden, right, the, the communication yeah. happens a lot better. Yeah, yeah that's so. great. So because we're on a marketing expedition, yeah, right. I'm going to take it a little bit different direction now and just explain to us what are some of the things that you're doing to help market your new program, mm -hmm. to market your books and your keynote addresses and all the things that you do. Uh, what are some things that are working for you? What's not worked for you? And uh, oh, wait a minute, what's gone well for you, yeah, you Brian? <laughs> yeah, well, um, this is actually the first time we've uh, that uh, we yeah. and I, whenever I'm talking about the company, we use yeah. use we, but that we've ever actually really talked about it publicly. Okay. Um, we're, we've been in a Ooh. soft launch the last two months, so yeah. everybody. All the people that were part of the initial, you know, kind of volunteer unit, we've moved it now to a membership-based uh -huh. deal, which is kind of cool because you yeah. can have, um, you know, 52 hours of training for next to nothing, right. but but because we're leveraging other people. But um, our plan for marketing is actually something I stole from a photography fr friend of mine. But what we plan to do is we have, and, and you've seen the, the webinar, which uh -huh. kind of yeah. explains process, yeah. gives you some tools. Uh, we're refining that, but um, what we're planning to do is partner with nonprofits uh -huh. who have a vested or, or, or who have a vested interest or part of their mission is helping people 
whether it's mental health or whether it's, um, right. you know, um, mentorship, those types of things where our missions kind of overlap uh-huh. and they will um, will offer the that webinar yeah. through them and they'll be able to raise money nice. to bring people on the webinar. And then anybody that joins the webinar or joins the membership mm-hmm. from that webinar, uh, 10% of that money then goes right back to the nonprofit. Fantastic. So, so our, our kind of... Um, and again, I had a photographer friend of mine 10 years ago you know who used called, to do it's that. It's called uh, Case. Copy and steal everything. Yeah, And fair. then diversify, so you <laughs> yeah, can yeah. say cased. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but we kind of, I just look at it like, you know, we have to spend money on marketing, and I'd love to be Good able to you. spend that money in a way that um, that can help the community. And because we're a virtual platform, mm-hmm. those nonprofits can be anywhere. We actually, one of our employees lives in um in Australia, and nice. so we have we have a contingent of people that practice on Austra- in Australia. So if you come to the right. Thursday night call, you generally have the different accents. Would on it there. Might, would, which would actually be uh, if it's Thursday night for you, then <laughs> it's it would Friday be Friday morning, morning for, for, them. for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And <laughs> yeah. every once in a while, we'll get some people from Europe, and uh-huh. and 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 they jump on the call. But the the nonprofit channel is is our primary, and then That's a great uh, concept. I like yeah, it. Yeah. And then from there, we have other kind of um, social media partners that uh-huh. you know they um, a fair amount that have been in the program that we're uh-huh. just partnering with to bring it to their uh, audience but it's sort of slow and fast mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, hurry up and wait <laughs> yeah we're, we're there's there's so many channels that this can go down that right. we're just trying to get the initial um, the initial if you will gym and um, we do the gym with a training component that that, that the muscle memory gym, by the way. Yeah, explain yeah. that a little bit so that people who can't see what you're doing with your hands right yeah, now tell, fair. tell us. Yeah, it's the. I mean, so the questions that I just asked you yeah, yeah. every week, there's a a separate question. We teach a, so it's an hour long, and if you've ever been to CrossFit, we're really stealing a bunch of their stuff. Um, but for the brain, I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's mental. It's fitness. For emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can know everything about how to act in a situation, but until you experience the situation, the behavior change won't happen. Right. So we have an hour-long workout every week, and this the membership gives you access. And there's people that go to two or three workouts a week, which is fine. Right. We, it right. doesn't cost any more. Um, so the first 10 or so minutes, we're identifying, here's a part of the brain we're working out essentially yeah. right yeah. and then we have a question like the question mm-hmm. i just posed to you that'll be defined and we talked to here's why we designed this question this way here's what mm-hmm. we're looking for and then you go out into a group of three in a breakout room on zoom with people you've likely never met um and, and some you've met if you've been in the program over time right but you generally only know each other through the program uh and each person gets 10 minutes so just like I started with the question, you would have 10 minutes and me and the other person can only ask you questions. Oh we goodness. can't give you advice. We can't give you feedback. We did that for like a minute and I was already squirming. <laughs> yeah. So that's where, yeah, that's, that's what good. we call, that's the muscle development. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have different levels for different comfort levels, you know, mm-hmm. because like jumping into that one is sort of jumping into the fire. Yeah. We used to just throw people <laughs> yeah. right on the fire. But um, but so we, we get them in, but then you get more comfortable and you just see over three or four weeks, yeah. people's ability to know where their question is going, to be able to be curious about it and to remove the fact, the need that like, I need to go anywhere with it and just right. practice. And that's where the gym is so important. We're practicing, not just asking, but answering. Like, why does that matter to you? Just like you, just like you write that, well, I don't know what matters to me because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. When right. what I tell people is the only thing you're supposed to do is defecate and die. That, like everything else is a choice, right? Yeah. That's locus yeah. of control stuff. But being able to identify why I did it is the source of the motivation to do it again. Right. But if I don't say that out loud, then at the end of the week, and there's a reason why we do most of the calls on Friday, then the end of the week, I go home on Friday, and my only real learning was, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. And then we create these cultures in companies where people don't know how to do something on their own. They're too afraid to ask for, and, and you hear this like counter cyclical thing with managers saying, I want more self-directed people, but environments where people are just waiting to be told. Right. right? They're task oriented yeah. as opposed to 
self-oriented exactly yeah. because they don't like the only place they get that reinforcement is themselves and right. that again the, the science says that just doesn't work yeah. right let's talk about what caught my attention the other day with you on i think it was linkedin you were walking on a path and then suddenly you're walking into a lake. <laughs> you went and jumped in a lake, literally. <laughs> Explain why you went and jumped in a That's lake. That's <laughs> funny. That's my... So, this is a marketing, you know, this caught my attention. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny. We So I, I used to run marathons and ultra marathons, right? For, and, and 15 or so years ago, um, uh, Matt Booth, who runs a, um, a physical therapy company in, in Boise, Therapeutic Associates, these uh-huh. folks are great. Yeah. Um, him and I used to talk about way back in the day uh, when we were both training for Ironman, uh, how ice baths were one of the healthy, most healthy things you can do. Cold showers and ice baths. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I live about a, a half a mile, about, about a mile from the, the river. Uh-huh. And so I have a habit of I'll, I'll go run up Table Rock. And when I come down, I cross the river and sit in the water. Well, I never really, that's just something I've done over and over. And, um, and I started on TikTok like three months ago and ended up having a couple of videos that that went viral like yeah. one one got like three million views and it was about yeah. uh but um nice but then i started just turning the camera on when i jumped in the water and just talking to people about regulating emotion because we regulate emotions very much the same way we regulate physical pain right, right? and it's not by ignoring it it's actually by allowing it and, and and see it and so the water just became kind of the metaphor and so now i'm the 42 year old that takes his shirt off and jumps in a cold river to to make a point i don't know how that happened but um just don't drop the camera in the water <laughs> well we, it's funny we did uh, uh my wife and i went for a drive last week we went up to loman and we were we were just looking for places to jump in the water that you could see the snow and everything around and um and I remember looking at her and I was like, did, was this ever on your plan for life that you would have a husband that makes videos jumping into cold water? Because <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but um, I'm a teacher by nature yeah. and I love metaphor. And yeah. so the water one seems to really work. Uh, I'll, I'll do different metaphors out yeah. there. It's just a fun way to play, play with that. But um, we've had quite the following from it. <laughs> indirectly so well, people will yeah definitely take a look at something that's not normal you know like you said getting comfortable with the uncomfortable <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah and I, I think broader I really um you know I, I just very focused on changing how we think about emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and understand this I was a former rugby player my father was a marine and a truck driver he had two emotions and he'd try to drink them away by five right but the um but he also was a very emotionally intelligent individual right in in certain cases and and I look at this in terms of myself but also so many of the people I've worked with that that really care that really want to do the right thing but don't have if you will, the gym, if you would like the workout to be able to make that thought actually become part of the daily behavior. And, uh, and while I love training, I've really, really just kind of moved to this idea that there needs to be something in between supplemental to coaching and training. And, and so being able to see one of our best people on the call is a, is a executive director of an ag co-op and i think he says five words a day total like in <laughs> in his regular life but he has come and just he's one of the most effective people on the calls and when people nice. get in they they don't expect it because you're like this yeah, and he's yeah. got a big beard and everything but he figured out the questions and he can make somebody light up like a christmas oh, tree that's great. Um, yeah and so it's really fun to watch that way yeah so if people wanted to try out this gym membership, mm-hmm. tell us how they can do that. How can they get a hold of you? What can they do? Do they get a, a free trial at first? Tell us a little bit yeah. more about that. Yeah, you can go to findingfires.com and we are upgrading a bunch of stuff, but this will be out by the time yeah. all that's upgraded. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we offer a free month 
trial to, okay. to jump in. Uh, we, we offer one monthly memberships. Every, everything else is either uh, half a year or a full year. Okay. Because, we, because again, we have to approach it like a gym. This isn't something you're going to go and do once or twice and all of a sudden everything's gone. And I Long think that's, yeah. yeah, and I think that's really something we've done in the training industry that, that doesn't serve people. It's why you have flavor of the week for whatever training is because it, it, they're not supported. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a basic gym membership that just gives you access to the call plus some rec- pre-recorded trainings and then a couple of different levels that put like different listening and or uh, and or questions based trainings on top of them that you, you do the training and then you do the practice right. back and forth over over six months and gotcha. um, given what we've found in the 10 months of research we did um, if you're really looking to change your approach if you're looking for one of three things, right. actually getting the most value after the important conversations you have with your spouse or your or your employees, the ones where you want to communicate the value that they have to you, but are but we miss because we get freaked out in the middle of them. Right. Um, if you want to be able to be the even keel when you're in emotionally in charge situations like Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> or po- anything <laughs> yeah. political right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Or, or if you want to build the clarity, not just within yourself, but in other people to make important decisions about opportunity or change when you're in the midst of the crisis. These yeah. are the three things we can we think we can prepare people for um, as good, if not better than than just about yeah. anything out there because well, we're approaching it differently. And the timing is really great. I mean, resiliency is part of the, the R and fire. And I believe that that is what people need right now and to mm-hmm. understand how to be resilient and and practice resiliency for sure. Yeah. yeah and that's the bit. It's funny. My, I'm, I'm hear, hearing my CEO yell at me right now indirectly because that's the piece that people find that I don't focus enough attention on. But when every week we're getting emails from people that got on the call Friday and they were like, well, my week was here, but I left this call feeling fantastic. And it's just like going to the gym. You get that kind of endorphin because of the type of questions we're asking. Oh yeah, I, I did do this thoughtful thing that allowed this good thing to happen. And and that happened because of me. So I'm not here as a bobber in the ocean. I'm actually in charge of the ship a little. Yeah. And to get that once or twice a week, uh, is, is just something that allows us to kind of offset some of those underlying effects of loneliness that happen in these hyper, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fast-paced environments. Right, so, right. so to be able to do that in a cost-effective way is actually kind of, I'm super excited about it, right? And now I need to go check out your TikTok. What, what's your TikTok? Uh... Uh, it's just Brian Fretwell, because okay. I'm really creative that way. <laughs> Um, and yeah. have you tried Clubhouse yet? I did. Okay, yeah. I, I'm I was moderating on, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was on there last night. Uh, there's a group of stand-up c- comedians, and I, and I um, as a professional speaker, uh, stand-up comedy is like yeah. the this super scary place. And so they, they have these forums that you can go and Like last night was this 28-second story. So you had to tell a story in 28 seconds. If you went over, it didn't count. (laughs) But if you go under 22, you have to tell it again. So it's just like negative reinforcement. Yeah, Yeah, but it was, yeah, Clubhouse is interesting. I haven't figured out how to really use it. And I'm really hit and miss on TikTok. Yeah, sometimes yeah. something goes crazy and sometimes consistency can be key in keeping it out there but at the yeah. same time I get it you know creativity and consistency have to go together yeah yeah but I I, I look at them both as um, you know just avenues for connection yeah, and sure. and if if, if, if if the last 15 years uh, you know going from you know just being all of the world uh, seeing everyday working folks and leaders, uh, if there's one thing that's missing out there, it's that tr- that authentic connection right. that yeah. that is actually super hard, but also super necessary. And it and it's and and once we get into the practice, it's not as hard as it as it seems, and it can be much more impactful than than we we ever really realize. Yeah. And so you know, if we can change one or two conversations a week. It's just like going to the gym. If I if I can if I can just get on the treadmill once or twice, then I can still have the burgers. That's kind of there my you go. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I certainly appreciate you coming to the studio and like coming in person and seeing, you know, eyes in my studio at the same time. Like, it's awesome to have you here. And you said earlier, it's like, I'm going to actually come, I, you know, to get out of the house and (laughs) be around other people and have that human connection. So I'm super happy to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about how your um, Finding the Fires program goes and and how many people that you get to, to impact. And we'll have to hear some from some of the people who have been through your program, what they'll have to say oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's a list of people I think would sign up to yeah, chat about it right good. now. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. But, um, cool. Yeah. So one more time, how do people get a hold of you? Where do they go? Yeah, go to findingthefires.com. And Excellent. and you should be able to find out when our next webinar is or sign up for your free month. Uh, you know, whenever we we're we're, we're well, um, I believe that if you go to two, you'll like you'll join. I've not yeah. seen somebody go to more than uh, more than two and not say this is the thing I need yeah. um, for the thing they didn't know they needed. Right? <laughs> we, 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 yeah. we got one guy that calls it the best um, um, dating program he's ever had because oh. when he goes on dates, he asks questions and apparently that doesn't happen a lot. So oh. yeah, because that's a whole other business unit where I don't know if I want to be in the dating kind of world, but like, that's yeah, funny. whoever yeah. shows up is fun. So yeah. that's great. You can live vicariously through those who, who are in that position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that, yeah. Yeah, I just it just seems uncomfortable. Like, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Yeah, so for sure, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and we'll be sure to put the link in the show notes and everything for you. And then uh, down the road, we'll have to have you come back and give us an update on everything that's going on and how it's all come together. And do you have any more uh, books in you in the future? Um, not no. I'm I'm trying to just <laughs> cut down. <laughs> like we're drinking from a water uh, water fountain or a water hose right now whatever you want to metaphor you want to use right now but yep, uh yep. nothing real soon we have an ebook on the you know the whole concept that we're talking gotcha. about that we'll give away for free uh on the site uh for sure but um okay. but i yeah i want to thank you for yeah. for inviting me here for for jumping on the webinar last week even though you were like what probably like what the heck is what are we the doing? fire thing <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah no it's a fin- great conversation and for doing the courageous thing of letting me pepper you with with questions in front of an audience here. So, yeah. yeah now my husband's gonna listen to this and go what yeah, <laughs> yeah good it's all good well thank you very much and oh by the way if you are listening to this um brian is also the author of uh expert of our potential right did i say that yep, right expert yep. of our potential i have a signed copy thank you for that <laughs> Uh, Anyway, all right. So um, for those of you listening, be sure to subscribe to themarketingexpedition.com slash podcast. Give us some reviews. That's the best currency that we could ever have, right? Reviews, Brian? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. And um, just go ahead and share and listen, and we'll see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Find more online at peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.